what are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. All right, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I'm here with uh, my longtime friend, Adam Rakabinski owner of now two locations of Alpha Bicycle Company and uh, now without question the best shop in Greenwood Village in Centennial. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks Matt. You never get sick of that joke. (laughs) Thanks Matt. Appreciate that. So uh, thanks for making the time buddy. No worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, Tell me about how you got into Alpha Bikes because I think that's kind of an interesting story as I remember it. Yeah I mean so I had been in retail from, in bicycle retail from the time I was, you know, in my teenage years and, and did it for a while. And, um, you know, I, at one point got burnt out with it a little bit and ended up being a rep and decided that windshield time wasn't the time for me or wasn't the thing for me. So I, uh, um, kind of basically started here as a, as a consultant, um, because the business was, had some good branding and whatnot, but just wasn't really making any money. And, uh, um, in the end, uh, the business was, was pretty far gone and, and, uh, but still had people walking the door and still had a cool brand and people dug the vibe. Um, so I ended up, you know, it was 20, 2009 when we started talking about it in 2010 when the deal actually came to fruition and, and, uh, you know, that was definitely a lull in the economy and, uh, it was pretty ballsy move, but the, but the price was right. And, uh, I was like, well, They've already got a lease, you know, they've got people walking in the door. They've got a few brands, um, you know, lease was up in less than a year as like, we can take an assumption on that and then just kind of, if it works, it works and we'll keep rolling. And if not, we'll, you know, cash out the inventory, get my money back and move on, you know? So it, uh, how old were you in 2008, 2009? So that would have been, I would have been 20, between 25 and 27, depending on really? this, yeah, when it was happening. So, yeah. Um, so I guess, oh yeah, about 26, 27, I'm, my birthday's in uh, a week, so about to turn 38 and it's been, you know, nine or 10 years now. So wow, it's been good. Yeah. So you've moved once and expanded. Yeah. So we, when, when I bought the shop, even when, before I bought it, when I was there as a consultant, you know, one thing we always heard was people never knew there was a bike shop there, you know, bike shop been around for, you know, 30 years at that point and, and, uh, people never knew there was a bike shop on that corner. So my idea was rather than spending money on, you know, direct marketing and stuff like that, that doesn't really work in today's day and age that we, you know, moved to where people just see you. We needed to get onto Arapahoe road. So we literally moved what half a mile maybe yeah. around the corner. Right. Um, and just to, excuse me, just to freshen up the space, give it a, you know, kind of build on the identity that the previous owners had laid and done a good job with. And then, you know, just put it in people's face. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so we, we moved there shortly thereafter that first year. Um, and then, uh, and then two years ago now, it would be two years in, in a couple of weeks, we, uh, we opened a second location on the West side of town. So, um, the idea with that was always, you know, we had wanted a shop there for a while and, and on that side of town, I, I felt like there was a, a void in that market over there and there's a lot of enthusiasts that live over there. Um, but we had to wait for the right space to open up. It had to be the right size, the right dollars per square foot, have the right traffic around it. You know, um, that side of town is, can be 
really easy to get in and out of, really hard to get in and out of. Um, and I think we hit home run. I mean, we, uh, we're on the end cap. So, um, we're right next to a super busy Mexican restaurant that brings a lot of traffic to the, to the uh, uh, parking lot. Um, there's a ski rental place a couple doors down, so that works with the you know people with similar ideas and, and similar interests and whatnot. Um, and uh, and that location's been growing since the day we opened it, so it's uh, it's good. Yeah, can't complain about the pace of business for sure. So. Well, definitely staying in business and opening a second location is kind of opposite of what the trends are in the bike industry for sure, the bicycle retail industry for sure. For sure. Um, you know, but that's where my passion's at. Like I get, the reason I come to work every day is that I want to talk to the end user. You know, I want to see them just even, you know, they come in, they buy a relatively inexpensive bike by today's standards and, but they just start riding and they get hooked on it, you know, and, 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 and that's why I do it. And so I need to be face to face with those customers and talk to them, you know, daily or, or weekly or whatever kind of thing. Have them come out to our, you know, occasional group rides and that kind of thing. And it, um, it, uh, do it, you know, having an internet based business just isn't conducive to that. So while, you know, you, you could probably grow it and make a little bit more money doing that, it's, you know, nobody's in the bike industry to get rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so, um, going back to the, uh, the second location, yep. um, what I've noticed about you and I've known you probably that whole time, yep. right. Is that I think you undersell your business sense abilities so like when you talk about the market research mm-hmm. is that kind of a balance of gut feel and data how did you go about that <laughs> you know i always gut feel trumps everything to me yeah you know because the if you look at what previous shops have done in that area you know it's it, they haven't been overly successful um but you know i think like a lot of business owners we just believe that we can do it better um the uh, but gut feel trumps everything. The the data was that there's you know the household income is high over there. There's a lot of trails. There's people that don't even live in that area have to come right by that corridor to get to the trailhead. Right. Um, it's a Kipling and four seventy. Kipling right? and four seventy yeah, on the west side town up against the foothills. So you have you're five hundred feet off the bike path. You have uh, Deer Creek Canyon right there. Hildebrand open space with the new Black Bear Trail. Jeffco open space. Um, the residents of Ken Carroll have their own private trails and they invest a ton of money in there. So what we found is that in knowing a few people live in that area is that people live in Ken Carroll, um, generally don't necessarily have vacation homes. That is their vacation home. You know, when they go Mm. home on a Friday afternoon after working a long week, you know, they have rec centers and their schools are in there and equestrian and their own trails. And so there's no reason to have a a home in the mountains, you know, but at the same time, they don't want to have to drive, five, eight, 10 miles to the next bike shop, you know? Um, so as long as we can put out a good product, you know, deliver it quickly, um, and just care about what we're doing, you know, the, the support from that community has been pretty good. So, um, but yeah, I mean, there's always some numbers that go along with it, you know, as far as if there's other bike shops in the area and how many active users you have and, and what the household income is and what the traffic counts are. I mean, all that stuff comes into equation a little bit, but like I say, really just kind of go with gut feel. Um, and you know, I, I'm a firm believer if you bust your ass and, and uh, you know, actually care about what you're doing for people that they'll reciprocate. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And <clears throat> I can personally attest to the, 
the vibe or the, the community, I mean, between the shop rides and the cyclocross team, you know, both for the juniors and, and the old farts, you know, there's definitely, <laughs> there's definitely a, a community yep. that has been built around and, and we're sitting in a shop, you know, uh, wood and on a, is this fake leather or real leather? Full leather. Full leather sofa. It's, it's, I think American Birch Warehouse, <laughs> Mr. Jake Jabs calls it bonded leather. It's, uh, we don't have a huge budget, but it's comfy. Yeah. But it, it's just, it's a cool place to hang out, you know. And then there was a while where I was working I twenty five in Broadway, yep. And didn't I just was trying to get home and didn't hang out here for probably like two years, yep. And like I missed it, like it was a cool place to be. Yeah, and that's the idea is that you know it's it's got to be profitable, but it's you know to to just maintain a, a business, but at the same time, like we want a place where you know, people want to come. We don't want it to be the car dealership where every time you walk in the door, you're like, gosh, darn it. I got to, you know, spend money on this thing again, you know, and you're just in a bad mood when you go in. We want you to come in. We want you to want your bike to work right and, and you know, be pumped on, you know, what you're Tell doing. And, <laughs> hey, buddy. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we, we want you to come hang out and tell stories about your latest ride or what your plans are and listen to ours and share pictures and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, we want it to be a community hub as much as, you know, a profitable business. For yeah. Sure. Well, I can personally attest to on the service side. And I think that's where a lot of shops will go off the rails is the quality of service isn't there. Yeah. And two very specific granular bike geek examples about the, the quality of your work is I had a uh, that G5 that I had a couple years yep. ago with that SRAM red front derailleur mm-hmm. and the shop that built it, which will not be named. Yep. That thing dropped on the inside yep. on me on the very first ride. Yep. And I brought it in here. You fixed it up. Yep. And it was the only – you were the only people that could make that thing work right. And I think it was you personally that got that thing dialed in. Yeah. It's, you know, like I say, it's taking the time to, to give a shit, you know. Like that's the, the big thing. I mean, I think that it's really easy for people just to slap the bolts on a bike and walk out the door. You know? yeah. But yeah. Turn the cranks a couple times and call it good. Dude, it's good. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> that, that'll wear in. <laughs> yeah, that'll wear in. So. And the other example was uh, two weeks ago. Uh, you guys had built up a gravel bike and um, you know, never do anything new on race day, except I did a brand new bike on race day. <laughs> <laughs> and it performed flawlessly. Yeah. You know, I mean... The limiting factor on that was me because I felt like at the end of the 50K, like I felt like I had ridden 100 miles in <laughs> August, you know, but the bike shifted flawlessly. I mean, the tires were, you know, everything about it was perfectly dialed. And it was one thing I didn't have to worry about yep. in 22 degree weather for 32 miles. Yeah. No, it's, uh, that's good to hear. I mean, like I say, we, you know, we do care. We all make mistakes at every job that we have, you know, but we do care and we, do it the best you know we can and in the on the occasion that we make a mistake we do what we can to make it right and, uh, but no it's the, the quality of work and the the attention to detail and the you know specking parts and bikes that are that are you know well made um so that we can stand behind it is uh is a big part of what we do yeah yeah uh the first origin of this podcast was talking about um, people in business and how close they got to either, you know, quitting or, you know, failing uh-huh. and then moving forward to that. And if it's not like too personal a business sure. question, like how close has it ever come to you 
you know, with this. It's, uh, you know, we were never in danger of closing the doors. Okay. You know, um, you know that, that's, we've, you know, we've had debt like shops have, you know, other businesses have had, and you build it up and you pay it off and you get bigger and you run it up and you pay it down. And, um, you know, there's been times where you're like, hmm. You know, payroll or rent's due in a few days. You know, I got to sell something. And, and, you know, whether it's uh, a higher power or whatever, you know, like the guy walks into the middle of February and drops 10 grand on a bike and you're like, sweet, we're back in business again, you know. <laughs> um, you know, but the we all have our ups and downs. And, I, I you know, we've partnered with a, a bunch of great people, um, you know, uh, vendors. And, and uh, you know, I feel like we've got decent landlords. Um and uh, good employees, and I think anytime you're, whether you're having good days or bad days, I mean the the key to business and, and getting through those things and riding the highs as long as you can is communication. You know, just talk to people. Like, yeah. Hey, you know, hey, it's been snowing and it's 12 degrees outside. You know, I'm gonna be a week late on that invoice, or I know you don't take a credit card to settle an invoice. Can I pay for it with a credit card this one time? Because we want to make sure you get paid. You know, those kind of things. So, um, yeah, communication's key. But no, I, don't, <clears throat> I mean. We've definitely had our, our times where you're stressed out and you lay at home and you're like twiddling your thumbs at three in the morning <laughs> trying to figure out, you know, but, uh, um, but no, I mean, there's, you know, never had to, you know, cash in a retirement or take equity out of the house or anything like that, which, you know, I think all those things would have to, you know, we have a, um, a commitment to our employees and our customers and our vendors that all those things would happen before we ever close the doors. Um, and so, um, no, it's been good. Uh, like I say, it's, it's not without its stress. That's for sure. Um, but, but I would say, you know, if, if 10 is the, if on a scale of one to 10 and one's, you know, if you're taking home a million bucks and and a year and, 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 uh, um, 10 is you're, you know, flipping the lock on the door for the last time, we probably got to like a seven mm-hmm. or eight, you know, kind of thing, um, to where it's scary, but, but, you know, fear is, it, I think it, it's a good thing. You know, it, it sucks when it's going on, but it strives you to get better. It strives you to look at the nuts and bolts of the business and, and you know, cut the fat out where you can um, and uh, look at it where it makes sense to keep plugging along on the same path. You know, um, the, the bicycle industry, I think business in general, but the bicycle industry in particular is cyclical. And, and so, like, if you're a mountain bike shop, for, you're going to have three or four years where you're killing it. And then, you know, in the heyday of, of Lance Armstrong and the Tour de France, you can give a mountain bike away. You know, like mountain bikes just weren't that good for one. So there wasn't mm-hmm. really any reason for people to upgrade year to year like there is these days. And two is everybody was watching the Tour de France and Lance on TV, you know, and wearing the yellow bands and, and all that kind of stuff. And and so you, you sold a lot of road bikes. Um, and so you got to be, you got to, you know, you want to have your consistent brand image, but you got to be flexible too. Um, and you just got to know that there's going to be highs and lows, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the uh, I do this, you know, not because I'm going to get rich, but because the, um, the stress of, of all those things allows me a flexible lifestyle. You know, it allows me to spend time with my kids and, and, you know, be at home a couple days a week with them and, um, and not miss out on that. It, it allows me the time to be on the road with the cyclocross team. You know, we were gone 60 days this, this fall, um, and, uh, and make a huge commitment to that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think with my experience and, and 
as you put it, business acumen. <laughs> I could I could probably make more money doing something else. Um, but it, like I say, the flexibility is is uh, being your own boss and being a business owner and and uh, um, is second to none. For yeah, sure, for sure. I remember back when I was a fully independent rep and doing <clears throat> wheels, bikes, clothing, all that stuff. And there were times when it's like experiencing that same thing where it's like, okay, do I, uh, who am I going to short this month? Is yep. it going to be, well, we've got to keep the electricity on yep. and we'll be a little late on the cell phone. But, yep. you know, there would always be times when, and I think it was the effort, you know, like, because again, we're dealing with, you know, 90 day sales cycles and yep. things like that, where I think that effort would, you know, you'd forget about that you had closed this deal and here comes the commission check. Yeah. And it got to be like <laughs> being an independent <laughs> rep. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, I did that for a little while and I've had months where I'd make, you know, I, I remember one January I made $70 the whole month. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, three months later I made, you know, eight or nine grand and it's, you know, the, and then you, you forget all about the seventy dollar month, you know. Yeah. Like that's the thing with business, I think, in general, no matter what business it is, is that the the highs always outweigh the lows, and the um, it's like when you buy a house, you know. I'll never forget buying the bigger house when we found out that my wife was pregnant with twins, and we knew we're like, well, the little townhome ain't gonna cut it anymore, <laughs> you know. And so that was a big step, and uh, you know, we we uh, the market was at an all time, you know, high as far as you know, amount of offers going in on houses and that was super stressful and she's pregnant. We had a deal fall through on a house and we don't know where we're going to live. And we were renting back our town home after we had already sold it. And then in the end, you know, it all works out and the, and you know, the highs are, we're comfortable and we have a place for our kids to grow up and we don't plan on doing that again anytime soon, you know, but the, <laughs> but that's the, like, I think there's a lot of things in life that the highs outweigh the lows and you just kind of, you forget all about it and move on. And, yeah, I would totally agree. Yeah, you, you look back on that, and <clears throat> I think the brain's very good at smoothing out the 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 rough edges, the sharp edges of all that. And you kind of, yeah. You know, but I think that also comes from an outlook too. Yeah. Cause, yeah. Yeah. It's probably why drug addicts are so good at what they do. Like, <laughs> like the highs are awesome. They don't forget <laughs> the fact that they're in the gutter, you know, scraping for pennies. You know, chase the dragon, yep, brother. Yep. So. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> so how has the internet impacted you guys? Cause I know that, and let me ask you yeah. maybe more direct, like, yeah. have you seen any impact from Canyon? Cause I know they had this huge splash and like, I just, I don't see those bikes on the road and I'm not trying to shit on those. No, guys, yeah, I, no, I think that that model works in other parts of the world. Um, and just doesn't work in the United States. I mean, I'm a firm believer of when somebody's coming in to spend a lot of money on a bike, whether that's, it's different for every person. If that's, I mean, a thousand dollars is still a thousand dollars. Like it's yeah. not cheap, you know, kind of thing. It's not nothing, you know, and, uh, uh whether that's a thousand dollars or $10,000, you know, they want that person that they know cares, you know, when something doesn't work right because they broke it or wore it out, that they have a place to go back to, um, when the fit just needs to be adjusted, that they have a place to go back to. If there's a warranty that they have a place to go back to, um, having that connection is, and especially when you get way up in the high dollars, you know, like, yeah. I mean, I might buy a $5,000 car online, you know, like, Oh, 
Craigslist, quick. You know, like there's a five thousand dollar <laughs> car. I need something to go drive around for you know a year or two to get me by or whatever. Right. Sure, but I'm not going to buy a hundred thousand dollar car on Craigslist. You're going to meet the guy in the parking lot with a you know hundred thousand dollars in a briefcase and be like, "Here's your Tesla." You know, I mean the the, the uh, it. Um, so I th- I think that that's where the bike shop is going to continue to succeed. Um, there are certain types of bikes that have just become a commodity um, in, in today's current market. I think that that's the, you know, the, the $2,500 to $3,000 full suspension bike has become a commodity. And I think the, you know, the carbon Altegra or 105 road bike has become a commodity. You know, there's so many good ones out there that it's just, there's not enough that differentiates any of them. So if you know that that's what you want, you just, go buy the best bike you can and then you pay for the service after the fact but when you're by there like the subtle nuances of eking out those one percents of you know a high-end bicycle are you know there's only something you got to get that face to face right and then through a little bit of trial and error probably and then the you know at the low end when we say low end you know bikes below that twenty five hundred dollar level you know it's as much about just communicating with the people you know going back to that communication thing it's about communicating with people about you know what they need for the next ride or why this tire you know works better than this one um and just sharing your experiences that's the value in buying a bike face to face um but and then you know the fact is that the internet can't fix your bike you know right like i mean you can my brother's an electrician and he, and he said this to me one time when i was doing something i called him up i'm like a pointer on this and he's like hold it closer to the phone like you can't you, you can't hold your bike closer to the computer and expect somebody to fix it you know and uh and and so the um and at the same time there's only so many hours in the day and so many qualified people to do it and so having a relationship with your with your uh uh bike shop is something the internet just can't offer yeah so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, internet only brands. I just don't see making a huge impact in the United States. So. Yeah. And a bike is in some ways very, very simple, but in other ways, very, very complex. Yep. And I was just thinking about like the, you know, hold it closer to the phone. Like I know how to change shifter and brake cables. Maybe. <laughs> I seem to remember a time when you got the rear shifter hooked up to the front rear and the front shifter hooked up to the rear See, that's totally Euro. <laughs> <laughs> that's how they do it in Belgium, dude. I was over there in April. I was just there. I don't think that happened. Well, it's a small subset. I don't think oh. you went to that region. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it must be the French-speaking part of Belgium. <laughs> but an average person, yeah. not me, for yeah. example. No. You've got the cable, you need the cutters, you yep. need the, the end caps or whatever they're yep. called and all that. And then there's the tension and the tuning. All yep. that. So it's not, you know, it's not building a rocket, but if you don't get it right, it's going to have a huge impact. Right. And then you're right. It's not something that, you know, it could take an hour yep. for free, mm-hmm. but I'd rather not fart around with that and ride the damn thing. For me, it's all like with anything in life, it's all about what your time's worth. Right. Like for me, if I have an hour in my day, and I have to fix my plumbing. It's like, screw that. I'd rather pay the dude a hundred bucks. He's done in 15 minutes and I got 45 minutes to go ride my bike. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing with you and trying to fix your bike. It's like, I got an hour. I can either tune my derailleur for an hour or I can bring it to the guys that are done in 10 or 15 minutes. And then it's, and then I get to go ride for 45 minutes, you know? Yeah. Um, 
it's all about what your time's worth. We're all good at something, you know, like I'm good at bikes, uh, you know, but I'm not good at a variety of fixing my car, you know, and so that's why I take my car to people to get it fixed, you know, it's just, um, I don't want to spend, I mean, I can figure it out, I'm mechanically inclined. There's YouTube videos, as everybody always says when they wheel their bike into the door, <laughs> but uh, your but forks no. on backwards, your forks on backwards. <laughs> But, uh, but no, the, the, uh, but yeah, it's all about what you want to spend your time doing for sure. Yeah. And to know that it's going to work, like, and I've had this discussion with people about, um, like there's, you probably shouldn't skimp on any component on the bicycle, but like, particularly like wheels and tires and brakes, like anything that is going to keep you in motion and not like fold up under pressure, under tension, under stress. It's like. This guy I work with just bought some, I'll have to look up the wheels, but like some like $300 carbon clincher wheel set. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> like quick, quick something. I'll have to look at them, but yeah. it's like, no, 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 no. The, the, <clears throat> I always look at it as, you know, what's the, what's the level of consequence, you know? If, right. If you if you delam a wheel going down Deer Creek Canyon at forty miles an hour, you're gonna fly off the edge and break something or die. Yeah. Pretty pretty high level of consequence, you know. Right. Uh, the if you're if you buy the cheapest chain and it breaks or it just doesn't shift as well as you, yeah, you gotta call somebody for a ride home. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Wheels. I mean, wheels change the way that any bike rides more than anything. Yeah. And then on a mountain bike suspension as well. You know, the suspension components you're actually using, but. You know, the, yeah, $300 wheels and, and, you know, brakes that don't work. And, you know, it's like, I don't, if you want to, if you only got 20 bucks to spend on your bike this month, I get it. Money's tight for everybody. Yeah. But it's got to be safe. You know, like put some brake pads on it, pay for brake adjustment, you know, adios. Um, You know, the, the chain, if the chain's worn out, everything else is already worn. You might as well just wait until you have the money to do it right. But, yeah. That's scary. <laughs> it's like, yeah, the, the, the label's cool. It's bright blue. It's cool. Ooh, matches yeah. his, uh, I guess it matches the rest of his bike. Hope it matches his cast. Yeah. Br- <laughs> Color match decals. That's the, that's the thing. It makes every bike better. Well, yeah. And I'm, I'm with you. I don't think that, I think the, the bike industry is going to have to adapt and have to change. Mm-hmm. And the internet's going to have a huge impact, but it's like, like I look at it they're trying to do like the Zappos model. I get Mm -hmm. it with shoes. Right. And you can have the best unconditional guarantee. You can approximate the sizing, all that stuff. But if my foot is slightly different than your foot and we both order a 47 and the shoe comes in, yeah, I can send it back. They have a label, but I still haven't fundamentally solved that problem that I needed a pair of shoes. Yeah. You know, you know, we have a, a guy that we built a custom, um, road bike for custom moves road bike four years ago he to this date loves the bike and it was custom fit and you know the the custom fit for him because he had one never had a bike to fit but two he was a regional manager at nordstrom's and he gets it you know it's like their whole deal is you walk in the store and there's no reason you should walk out with what you walk out without what you need basically right you know i'll never forget he told me a story a guy came in one day he had one shoe that was a size 10 and one shoe that was a size 8. And they took the left out of one box and the right out of another box and they put it together and they sent him on his way, charging for one pair of shoes. What do you do with the other ones? 
donate them, do whatever they do with them, you know, kind of thing. But that effort was rewarded with the fact that guy will come back and buy a suit jacket, a shirt, pants, buy gifts for his family, whatever kind of thing. And that effort comes back in spades. Now you can't always, you know, small businesses don't have the budget that Nordstrom has, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I've had the, I've, you know, used that scenario more than once and somebody's coming. It's like, okay, you got two different size feet. How many bike shops have you been into trying to find a pair of shoes? You know, you walk out without a pair. It's, uh, you know, hey, I'll sell you this one at the price that's marked on it, you know, and I'll sell you this one at cost. I'm not making anything on it. I'm not losing anything on it. But you walk out with a pair of shoes that actually work for you. Right. You know, um, I can't afford to, to, you know, sell you both of them at cost or just take a pair of shoes and have, you know, something that's worthless. I don't have the money that Nordstrom has, but but I can definitely, you know, work with you to make the to make it right. And, and that's, you know, where small business succeeds for sure. Yeah. And it's not <clears> – <throat> it's – Trying to figure out a creative solution to that problem. Yep. Yeah. And not was, just saying no right off the bat. Yeah. I was in Europe with USA Cycling and at World Championships. And, you know, there's always a language barrier and that creates a whole nother thing. <laughs> but the, the, um, the, uh, I heard the, the two guys in charge, uh, Ken and Andrew, say on multiple occasions, there are no problems, only solutions. And, I used that. I was coming back and they were like, we're not putting all nine of your bikes on the airplane. And, you know, because we're overweight and you got to pre-book them and this and that and that. Lustanza has a, where it's, you know, one bike per, uh, per person and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, I said, there are no problems, only solutions. You know, I mean, if they told me I had to buy six more seats and so I could get one bike per, per seat on, you know, that's not ideal and I'm not probably not going to pay that kind of money, but, <laughs> but it's at least a solution, you know, right. it's a solution to the problem. Don't tell me there's no way, you know, tell me that there's, tell me this is the solution that we can do. You know, yeah. Kind of thing. And so in the end, you know, paid a little bit extra money and bikes are on airplanes and everything's home and everybody's happy, you know, but there's uh, yeah, there, I think that's a good rule for, for business and for just life in general is that, there are no problems, only solutions. How do we get through this? How do we move to the next thing? So, I've heard another saying similar to that, that no is just a request for more information. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good one. I always had in sales, it was always, you know, every no is one step closer to a yes. Yeah. Um, same thing. Same thing. Yeah. You know, might not be right for that guy, but it might be right for the next guy. Yeah. You know? So that's well, good. Uh, what are your thoughts on like the, the, cause Interbike imploded. What are your thoughts on the trade show? Is that ever going to, is a trade show necessary? Let me no, ask the that trade, question. The, the, the trade show as a trade show, as a like really go right order, see things, get things done. You know, it used to be 20 years ago, you know, I went to my first Interbike in, uh, 1999 and, uh, the, uh, it used to be that that was where things got done, you know, like yeah. you'd go and you'd write pre-seasons, you'd buy closeouts and it was worth the expense of buying an airline ticket to Vegas and, or Anaheim or wherever. And, and, uh, you know, a little bit of cheap hotel room and, and, you know, that's where things got done. That's changed. I mean, the, you know, products start rolling out 2019 product starts rolling out now. You know, like on the car cycle, you yeah. know, um, you know, sea otter is a big thing for suspension and, and, and full suspension bikes and things like that. You know, SRAM just came out with the XS, you know, Shimano, you know, is 
hopefully getting ready to deliver XTR soon. I mean, it, those things happen in spring. You know, we were just talking to um, a rep and they were saying that a bike that they had, you know, planned on coming out with now, um, it, you know, was delayed two months. And so that'll be, you know, May for the first 2019 or 2020 stuff. Hmm. You know? um, so that's that fall cycle just doesn't work anymore. Yeah. Um, the, um, and I think that we saw it years ago when we started going to, you know, uh, I was wearing a shop back then that was a big Trek dealer and, and they were one of the first to do these kind of big invite dealer events type thing. And, you know, they have it, you go to their dealer event and they have a captive audience. You know, it's worth the thousand bucks it's going to cost for two guys from each shop and the hotel room for three days, you know, to, to be there and have a captive audience, you know, um, and see their stuff and ride their stuff and, you know, see what the brand's all about develop a strategy for how you're going to grow your business and, and those kind of things. We've done those events now with, you know, years ago with Trek and now with, you know, QBP and their um, variety of brands. And Kona does their big thing every year. Um, I think that that's the, that's the, you know, the model that's going to continue to work is, you know, getting people to have their captive audience. The only time that you really need a dealer event like that is, is uh you know trade show type event is when you're out looking for new brands mm -hmm. you know if i was going to open a shop and i was looking for new brands then sure something like that works but i think that the the model that probably works better is talking to the reps that are on the ground and saying this guy's opening a shop do we have any interest in doing that and if we do then let's you know invite him to our dealer event and let him see what we're all about because right. 30 minutes or an hour in a trade show booth isn't isn't anything compared to riding the bikes and you know talking to the people and and, uh, and seeing what the brands are really all about. So I think that trade show model is dead. Um, I think that it would be cool to have, you know, kind of a regional thing, you know, maybe a little earlier in the year um, to where there's like four spots throughout the country, you know, that kind of go California, Colorado, Arkansas, you know, Asheville, or mm -hmm. Pennsylvania, or somewhere that's got other, you know, East Coast that's got cool trails. Um and, you know, just have that as a, a traveling thing so that you could compare things back to back maybe. But, but yeah, the, 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 unfortunately the trade show is dead. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, there's just nothing to unveil there. Right. It was fun seeing everybody, but I just look back at the ROI and the business and it's like, why don't we just take the money that we're spending for a 20 by 20 yeah. and fly six people out yep. just to Orange County yep. and give, take them for a ride go get Wahoo's fish tacos across the yep. street. And it's like, yeah, we laser focus with the money and the time. We, we had joked that when we were both at dealer camp years ago, that it was rep camp because it was really just a place to go hang out with your buddies. Oh yeah. 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 It was such a fun time there, but yeah. we didn't have any business. No. <laughs> and we saw, I, didn't we look at the industry report after where they said like, here's all these dealers that showed up. And like, we're looking and it's like, there's tumbleweeds blowing through. Yeah. It's like, where I, mean, I, I showed up, you know, as a dealer, because they subsidized it, yeah, and we just went and ate steak. It was just a, you know, it was a, just a big thing of why, you know, like it just added to the to the uh, experience of hanging out with your buddies. Not yeah, more, not necessarily. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I was normally, you know, grilled out of the back porch of a of a condo that we rented or whatever kind of thing, but instead we're gonna go eat five hundred bucks with a steak because you're giving me five hundred dollars. You know, like <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, yeah, the the uh, unfortunately. 
In a snappy bow tie, if I remember correct, right? Ooh, yeah, probably. And yeah, a, probably. A, I had a stylish hat. Yeah, I got, I got. I mean, I looked like a driver, probably. You know, like a, <laughs> but uh, but no, it was. Uh, those are good times, but yeah, I, don't, I think the industry is is kind of past that. We're not at a place where everybody's making money hand over fist like we were in the you know mid nineties. Yeah, and so we need to all be a little bit more, you know, from a retailer side and from a brand side. You know, there's no point going in a bike and spending half a million dollars. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's all about those relationships. Yeah, and you could spend a half million dollars flying out to see all your dealers and spend a day with each one, and right. and you know take them riding bikes and buy them dinner, and it would go a long ways. Yeah. So, one of the things I wanted to bring up too was your relationship with Moots too, and yeah, and not going into like a, a commercial for those guys, but yeah. they make a great product. They're a Colorado brand, and I think they're probably your longest partnership right yeah i mean moots came on board moots was always my dream bike i you know welded some titanium frames um with the uh through at ubi united bicycle institute with some with some great instruction and and then when i was a rep i worked for lightspeed and and Mm. i've always had you know a place in my heart for for titanium and and more than that for products that are handmade and that you know you can go meet the people that actually give a shit about what they're making yeah um and uh, and Boots just does it better, in my opinion, than anybody else as far as craftsmanship goes. Um, the uh, and so when I bought the shop, that was one of the first calls we made. I mean, it was Moots, Niner, and Salsa. And, those, and, and Niner's the only one that's not around with us anymore because um, their business model has changed a little bit. But the um, but yeah, the, the relationship with those guys is one of those where it has value because I can just go up there and talk to them face to face, you know, um, all of the partners with our team, um, are that way, you know, where, uh, you know, I bought a, the hundred dollar frontier flight and flew to the Salt Lake city to sit down and ride, you know, sit down and talk to, uh, DNA about our plans for this year and Mm -hmm. in the future. And then also, you know, ride bikes with them. Um, and, uh, but Moots has that same thing. Like I can get in my car and drive up there in three hours and, you know, sit down and talk with them and sit down and, and, you know, talk with the guys that are building the, the bikes and, and, you know, see like they, they genuinely care. Yeah. Again, like any business, it's got to make a profit, but you know, to, to have somebody put their name on it, you know, um, it holds a lot of value with me and, and. Uh, we look with that with all the brands that we carry, and, and Moots is a great example of that. You know, the little yellow card that you get when you get a frame that's you know got ten positions or more of you know the bike was mitered by this person, welded by this person, finished by this person, blah 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 blah, and they all initial off on it. And you can go up there and be like with your yellow card and see the guy that welded your bike. That's like, really cool. It's I never super knew that. cool. <clears throat> and and um, but just putting your name on it, it's like like I put my name on this place. You know, it holds a lot of value to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're a great brand for sure. They've, they've worked with us for a long time. They support the team. Um, even when, uh, you know, the, the plans for it were kind of pie in the sky. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a super cool brand. You got Colorado brand and, and, yeah. uh, and local and, and that kind of thing. So. Yep. Well, and it goes back to like your service capabilities and just the, the, I guess the, the vibe of the shop, like it's professional, right? Yeah. It's yeah. not stuffy by no. any means, but it's clean, it's well-organized and 
<clears throat> and that's something I've always talked about with the bike industry, right? So there's all this care and feeding that goes into the design of the frames, yep. the the manufacturing, the carbon layup, or the welding and stuff like that. And and I've been all over the country in various bike shops, and what I've seen is that there is a hockey stick drop off for the professionalism and the quality where you, you're you're making this bottle of wine or this cup of coffee yep. or this bike frame. And I don't know if it's the bike industry or the outdoor industry. Like, I don't know the ski yeah. industry, but it's like, there's this drop off in just like this attention to detail and professionalism. And if you're dropping 10 grand on a yeah. bike, yep, you've got to have that level of confidence. So much potential, <clears throat> so little follow through. That's the, yeah. that's my line. That's my tagline, you know, and it's, uh, um, you know, we, we're all guilty of it. There's only so many hours in the day. We all mm-hmm. have other responsibilities outside of the shop and, and outside of work and whatever we do. But, you know, you got to make a hit list. And, you know, the goal is to, you know, if I have 10 things on my hit list and I hit five of them, you know, well, we're better off than where we started. Yeah. And then, you know, the, and the next year we shoot for seven and the next year we shoot for eight, and, you know, you just constantly improving, you know, that you, they call it continuous improvement. Like, you can't rest on your laurels. Right. You know? Um, you know, what worked 10 years ago doesn't work now. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the, I, when I was a rep and I'd walk into shops and see, you know, things laying on the floor, and, you know, like <laughs> a pile of gloves laying on the floor. It's like, guys, you're not going to sell them if you don't want, don't want them on the wall for whatever reason, because they just don't match what you're trying to do with merchandising or whatever. Just pick them up and throw them in back because throw them on the floor is going to be the same damn thing. Yeah. You know, like you're not going to sell them. You know, yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, uh, anyway. <laughs> well, and you know, a compliment to you, I haven't told you this, but when I was doing the national stuff for BH, I would use your shop as a model to talk to people about how to build this up. And it's yeah. like, look, this is working and this is how you should do it. And it was, another frustrating thing about the bike industry is there's a lot of bike people and not a lot of business people. Yeah. And so I would go tell these guys like about, you know, so I'm coming back from the IT world Mm -hmm. and I'd say, you know, risk and exposure and ROI and and this sort of stuff. And there are some people that would get it and appreciate it and others that would be like, uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Like I say, you know, we go back to the gut feel, you know, part of our conversation at the beginning and the, you know, all those things are important, you know, quantifying an investment, you know, quantifying a change in direction, um, with, you know, product that you stock or, or whatever. But like I say, some of it's just gut feel. Yeah. I, when the idea behind the shops is that when I was 17 and 18 working in shops and and it was a, a good shop, good owner, um, pretty good crew. Um, a lot of those guys are still friends to this day and, and the, but the, um, there was a lot of $400 bike builds. Yeah. Kids bike builds. And I'm like, man, I really enjoy the wheel building and the high end stuff. Like everybody does. Everybody right. wants to work on high end stuff. But the, and so if I have a shop, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create a brand or I'm going to create a brand where people want to come work with that brand you know the, the shop is the brand the the what we sell is just what we're behind yeah you know? um the um but no the so we want to 
you know, the idea was that we want to work with that and, and, um, I just lost my train of thought, so we're gonna have to edit that part. <laughs> nah, it's fine. <laughs> just it, get, it goes back to the vibe, right? Yeah, it goes back to the the quality of the product. And, yep, and just elevating your game. Yep, yep. And we know that you know my idea is that you know we have an idea in our mind that that whatever you call it, just say it's a round number of a thousand dollar bike, is kind of the minimum for like a thousand dollar mountain bike. You can actually ride off road. Yeah, and it's not gonna just fall apart. It's not a mountain bike that just looks like a mountain bike. A thousand dollar commuter bike, you can commute on five days a week. You don't have to worry about the durability of it for a long time as long as you're doing normal maintenance on it. If somebody comes in with a four hundred dollar budget, that's fine. That's all they can afford. I would rather have that conversation with somebody about why we sell the thousand dollar bike. Have them go home, save their pennies for another yeah. month or a year or two years, whatever it is, and then come back and see me when they're ready for that thousand dollar bike. Then to sell them something that they go home and have issues with and it just doesn't meet their expectations. Yeah. We knew that going in and we took their $400 anyway. Right. Like that just, to me, that's not the way you do business. It's, there's a lot of shops that make a lot of money doing it that way. Oh yeah. Um, I used to work at but one. I don't, <laughs> but I don't want to, that's not what I want to do. You know, yeah. just like that's, I don't, I wouldn't sleep well at night knowing that I sold the guy that's going to ride to work every day at $400 bike. Cause I know that he's going to have issues with it, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, I think it's the kind of treat people how you want to be treated. You know, yeah. it's like that's the, the golden rule of of uh, of life and of business for sure. Yeah, and you're not being snobby about it. You're no. you're educating them, and like there's a minimum viable product that comes with the manufacturing cost. Yeah. That, like you know, it, seriously, go look at a, a Walmart bike. Yeah. You know, and look at the the just the bolts like yeah. where they had the brakes mounted. Like it's yeah. just a standard nut. Yeah. You could find at Home Depot. Yep. I mean, yeah. it, you know, it's, it's like that thing. Like, you got a nice computer and nice recording equipment to make this happen. Yeah. You know, you can't record a podcast in a Commodore 64. Like, it just <laughs> yeah, doesn't it's happen. Yeah, it's my phone you know? headphones. Like, it's, it's just you can't do that. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like that with anything in life, I think. Yeah. Tell me about the, uh, the cyclocross team. Because <laughs> uh, I, I think it's uh, very cool. I, just like a, it's a junior development would that be the proper way to describe it? I was told by a current sponsor to not call it a development team anymore. Really? And the reason being is that we have this piece of it that's it's an elite level. I mean, yeah. the, the athletes we had we had ten UCI elite wins, which if you're not you know uh, familiar with with bicycle racing is the highest level of domestic racing. Yeah. And we had ten wins this year um, at that in that category and at that level. And the, when I did the math on it, the average rider age was 19 and a half years old. Yeah. So that means the, the, the program's working. Right. The, um, the program started about the same time I bought the shop, maybe a, a year before. Um, there was a, the local racing association used to subsidize some junior racing. And then it, when budgets got tight, that was one thing that got cut. And there was also, there was already a really good program in Boulder and a really good program at Fort Collins. And so I'm like, well, we'll be that guy in South Denver. And program started with a thousand bucks on my credit card, bought jerseys for all the kids, 10 kids. And we just went out and had a good time. And then, you know, with me, just like, just like business, when we talk about the continuous improvement, it's like every year we want to get better. Right. You know, we want to provide more for our for our racers, and then you know we just want to get better. And so, a couple of years in, maybe four or five years in, we we're definitely one of the top junior programs out there. You know, um, 
probably in the top 10 nationwide is what I would say. We have a couple of national championships, you know, age group junior national championships. Um, but, you know, more than that, we were just trying to provide a level of support for higher level of support for kids. Um, and then uh, Gage, uh, Gage Heck, uh, who's an ultra talented young cyclist. Um, Nicest kid in the world. I don't know if I'd go that far. He'll probably <laughs> listen to this, so we can't be, we don't want to stroke his ego too much. No, he's a good kid. But the, um, you know, we were talking to his dad, Bruce, and, and Gage was racing on a couple of road teams that would do a little bit of cyclocross support, you know, and, but he had had, a, he has a ton of potential in, in cross and, and they just weren't supporting him, you know, the way they needs to be supported. And so he'd gotten some things that thought he was going to get done. And it was like July or first of August and it was Gage's first years, the 17, 18. Um, right. And so when you're 17, 18, you can start to race some of the UCI races. And, uh, and he's like, well, we've been talking about Gage coming over to your program for a while. You know, what do you think? And, and, uh, I was like, well, let me call in every favor I got. Like we called in every favor. I mean, you know, Jason Coble at that point was at Moots as our, um, as our inside rep and John, their uh, caribou, their marketing guy up there is super into cross. I'm like, you guys are our first choice. We want to make this happen. And literally they had one frame that was like a show bike that happened to be the right size. Um, had, we bought one um, at a discount and they, I don't remember where the third one came from. I think the third one was like a loaner out of the demo fleet. Oh. And, uh, and so, but anyway, um, they jumped on board. DT Swiss, I, who's in Grand Junction, jumped on board. And, like, they're like, we got one set of carbon wheels from <laughs> a trade show display. I said, well, one set of wheels doesn't quite crack it, you know. <laughs> so they so they sent us some hubs, you know. Okay. And we called up this guy, MD. He used to be at Velocity. And he sent us some hoops. Oh, I know that guy. And uh, a yeah. super nice guy. And uh, he sent us some aluminum hoops. And Don... Uh, Kellogg, who was at Clement, now Donnelly, he, uh, they're in Highlands Ranch here, and he's like, here's some tires, you know. Um, but we did it on a shoestring budget, and and we did it because, again, just like business, we gave a shit, you know. Yeah. And uh, that year, Gage was fourth at Worlds, you know, dropped a chain out of the last corner in super muddy conditions um in the in the sprint for third but he came across the line with this shitty grin on his face <laughs> and uh and he was stoked with it and i was i wasn't in europe for that one i was sitting at home at actually sitting at my buddy tim's house watching on this big screen at, at three o'clock in the morning just screaming for him you know <laughs> and, and uh and that passion i was just like i can't let this go and uh alex gillette from uh groove auto who's super passionate about cycling and they've been a supporter of ours since it was just the junior team. He's like, right. What do you think about doing this a little bigger next year? And I'm like, well, if we're going to do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so we went all in five riders, bikes for everybody, you know, started building our wheel arsenal. But even then that year, we look at it as, you know, like, man, we've come a long way from then. You know, we had five riders, ultra talented, um, Ashley Zerner, who'd been with the program, uh, as a junior won a junior national champion and kind of worked her way up Brandon Fix out of Fort Collins who's still with the program to this day Katie Klaus was 13 maybe maybe and we saw the potential in her and we wanted to invest in the future and her brother Evan um, we loved Evan and, and uh, he was very talented 
um, they all came in and we only had, I think we had six sets of carbon wheels that next year, but for five riders, yeah, you know, and, and then we had some more aluminum wheels. And so we were like, you know, put bikes on the trainer, send a guy out to race, go to the pit, run back, switch wheels back out, you know, <laughs> put them on the next bike and, 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 and send it out again. I mean, the stuff we did, we're like, you know, it's, I think it's how a lot of junior, you know, teams, you know, make do. We had more than a lot of people. Um, but what made it work was the passion for it, you know, was people that believed in what we were doing. I mean, Aaron Zerner believed in what we're doing. He donates a ton of time yeah. and, uh, to, to the program. Um, you know, Bruce Heck, Gage's dad, same thing. Matt Fix, you know, Brandon's dad, same thing. Um, you know, Katie and Evan's parents, um, Ed and Jody have, have uh, put a lot into it and uh, seeing their kids succeed. And, and uh, but, you know, a lot of people bought in. And then we kind of treaded water a little bit. I think we, you know, just wanted to make it better with the group that we had. And then this last year, I was like, I got a lot of things on the table table now. I got two shops now. When we started, I had one shop. I have twin daughters. I have a house that needs a bunch of work. Like, we're going to go all in. And we're going to make this thing big. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And uh, um, this year, we went all in. Um, we did UCI events, you know, 75% of the weekends. Uh, we had top American at, at, you know, jingle cross world cup in the elites. We had those 10 UCI elite wins. We had multiple national champions. We had the top under 23 male and female at worlds. Um, we made a huge presence for uh, the riders and our sponsors at, at races. We produced a ton of professionally generated content. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's paid off. We got great partners, uh, again, lined up for next year. We have a, a big, uh, a couple of riders already signed and a couple that we're um, working on bigger and better things for. Um, but yeah, that, that program, it, it takes a lot of bandwidth from me. Um, but I mean, those kids are, are, and I say kids, you know, they're gauges turned 21 this week yeah. and, and Brandon's 21 as well. And just about to turn 22 this, this summer. You know, the I say kids, but they're this closest thing to family. You know, like they're that next step. I mean, you know, love my kids and my wife, but the but they're you know, like say they're they're there with us. They stay at the house all the time and help change dirty diapers and you know help do the dishes and it, it, everybody buys in. You know, it, it, it's a big family and, and we're stoked to do it for sure. Yeah, there's something about suffering on a bike, especially in the cold and the mud, that just bonds people for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and traveling around and that camaraderie of us all being in close proximity is good. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'll say for the listeners, if you've never seen cyclocross, I'll post a video to that. And if you've never been to a race, come find it. It's a fall sport here in Colorado. Come out and see it. It's just, it's my favorite discipline now. It's just, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool discipline for sure. Yeah. It's the passion. Yeah. Yep. So. Wish I was better, but that's, that's diet and training. <laughs> like a great movie line once said is, the world needs ditch diggers too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Judge Smales. <laughs> well, this has been great, Adam. I know that we're actually, you know, the shop's open and working. And, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it was just a fascinating conversation, man. Yeah. Just no. thanks for sharing yeah, some no, of the details. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. It's uh, It's been good. Like I say, it's always good to share your passion with other people that are like-minded. And, yeah. And, uh, 
yeah, yeah. We'll keep keep on along doing what we're doing cool uh, where can people find you address uh, phone number website. yeah so alphabyscle.com um is the uh the web address you can find um links to both the uh shops contact info there one at arapahoe i-25 one at kipling at 470 right up against the foothills um but yeah phone numbers and stuff are on the on cool the, uh, website find a little bit of information about the kind of what we do in the in the cross program and the bikes we carry and, and you know the passion that we're trying to portray follow us on social media um at alpha bicycle on instagram um alpha bicycle company on facebook alpha bicycle on twitter um but yeah it's uh and like i said just follow along with what we're doing even if you're not around yeah come into the shop hang out yeah for sure come in have a cup of coffee have a beer after five and come out for a ride on Saturday mornings. After five, really? Well, I don't know. It's up to these guys these days. So, <laughs> all right, man. All right, thanks, thanks Adam. Thanks again.